Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and you're listening to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. This month, Walgreens closed five stores in five different San Francisco neighborhoods. The company says it was because of organized, rampant retail theft. But when Walgreens made this announcement, it became part of a larger debate about policing and prosecuting crime, while leaving those who rely on the stores at a loss. I'm pretty sure a lot of residents would agree with me that, you know, they rely on that pharmacy, they rely on that, um, that store just conveniently located, you know. Today, the closure of Walgreens stores in San Francisco and the people it stands to hurt the most. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed dot org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. So when Walgreens announced that they were closing these stores, I think it really became a lightning rod for people to express previous frustrations with the city, administration, theft, things of that nature. Abene Clayton is the lead reporter for the Guardian's Guns and Lies in America series. The five stores are in the Mission, the Excelsior District, Inner Richmond, Hayes Valley, and West Portal. These five Walgreens kind of embodied everything that people were, you know, upset and really fearful about. 
Brazen crimes caught on camera show exactly why American cities are under siege. Check out what happened. There have been these viral videos, um, really all throughout the pandemic, of people running into stores with arms full of merchandise. The woman keeps recording as the man walks to another aisle. I'm following you. Look at me. But he keeps his head down and grabs more items off the shelves. That guy there would be videos of people breaking into cars, sometimes just brazen robberies like on the street and especially in drugstores. Check out what happened at a Walgreens in San Francisco. This is a man in broad daylight looting a store and just filling up a garbage bag. Then he just casually rides his bike out of the store and onto the street. For a lot of people, it seemed to like confirm what they were kind of increasingly believing about San Francisco. That no one cares if you break into a store, you're not going to get prosecuted. The police aren't going to stop you. The store employees are completely resigned because San Francisco is lawless and is pretty much like Gotham. No Batman at this point. When we break the rules and there are no consequences, then you descend into chaos. You descend into anarchy. San Francisco is reaping what it's owed, Bill. Well, here's the supervisor, San Francisco board, Shashasafi. This is exactly why I held a hearing on organized retail theft. This obviously has become a, a really big deal, these five Walgreens stores closing. What are the narratives out there about why these closures are actually happening? So Walgreens is saying that the stores are shutting down because of rampant organized retail theft, that too many people are stealing out of these stores and the cost to replenish merchandise and to hire these different private security officers just doesn't make sense anymore. The opinions are varied um, extremely and there's a, certainly a, a spectrum all the way from people who believe that Walgreens is closing these stores solely because of retail theft that the the crime problem, the the drug problem, the homeless problem, all of these issues have scared this store out of these locations. Um, and then there are folks who think it's a little bit of those, you know what I'm saying? They think like, okay, I'm sure people are stealing out of these Walgreens and yes, it's bad. And yes, someone needs to do something about it. But also Walgreens, there's a pandemic. There's a large saturation of Walgreens stores in San Francisco. There are less people going in person to stores, especially the ones that are in those really, um, you know, kind of bustling areas. I mean, I'm thinking about how like I used to go to the Walgreens in downtown San Francisco when we would go to the office all the time. And I have not been there in like more than a year, you know, and a lot of stores in San Francisco and just across the country in general have closed because of the pandemic. Totally. People aren't going into the office, you know, to stop at Walgreens and grab this, that, and the third. Like, their foot traffic has probably decreased substantially in a lot of these areas. And there may be more um, budgetary and fiscal reasons to close that may outweigh what's going on with theft. Right. And then there are folks who are all the way, uh, perhaps on this other side of the spectrum, who say that Walgreens is 
only closing because they are losing money. There had been prior announcements about about them closing hundreds of stores, you know, before this kind of crime wave narrative have, had reached the drugstores. And there are people who think that Walgreens is just kind of lying and capitalizing on the hysteria to um, make fiscal decisions so it doesn't look as bad and like they're losing money and like that's a pretty um popular belief as well but it really runs the gamut and some of these you know ideas are all mixed into each other it's a really big um hullabaloo if you will in the end what do we actually know about what's behind these closures like what are the facts It's hard to know. It really is. You know, there's been so much kind of conjecture and, you know, reporters online pulling like filings from board meetings and all of these these things and people trying to like cobble together some sort of explanation. I personally don't know if we're ever going to get that. I don't see Walgreens having much interest in like setting this record straight or infusing any truth and being like, hey, I know this has caused a gigantic to do and has made um, tensions, especially high in the city. This is actually what's going on. Sorry, guys. Like, we're going to tell you everything. I don't personally see that happening. And I don't know if we're ever going to get full facts. Even when it comes to the the data, you know, I referenced um, in the story data on larceny, which is the offense that shoplifting from like a Walgreens would fall under. And the reports were going down. I got it from the, you know, the DA's office, the the police combined with FBI data. You know, she tried to put her numbers together and I still got responses that were like, well, are people even reporting the thefts? Like you can't even trust the data. So I feel like Whenever it comes to this Walgreens, whenever it comes to the larger issue of crime, safety, et cetera, you're always kind of dealing with perception versus data versus like lived experience. And all of those things are in this Walgreens situation. Has Walgreens told you anything about why they're closing these stores? I reached out to Walgreens. I think I got assigned this story maybe a month ago and started reaching out immediately. I did all the reporter due diligence. They didn't get back to me at all. Regardless of what you think of these viral videos or reports of rampant shoplifting in San Francisco, they've already caused enough of a stir to affect policy. In September, Mayor London Breed and San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott expanded the police department's retail crime unit. The city also increased the number of unarmed community ambassadors from 8 to 25. These measures didn't stop Walgreens from closing these five stores. And ultimately, the people most impacted are the San Francisco residents who've relied on local Walgreens in their everyday lives. And I know that you actually went to one of these Walgreens stores in the Excelsior on Mission Street before it permanently closed. What did you see when you went there? Literally half the shelves were empty, but there were still a lot of people in there, honestly. Like um, people waiting in line at the pharmacy, you know what I'm saying? Folks picking up their kind of everyday thing. I saw a lot of older folks, saw a lot of people like with their kids. That was um, two of the kind of main demographics. It looked like people who lived around there, you know what I'm saying? Who were taking advantage of the, the store in its final days. 
it was just a really kind of interesting scene that was like, now this place is still up and going. I mean, what have you heard in your reporting about how important a local Walgreens is to so many people? Can I get your, your first name and the spelling of it? Uh, Gina, G-I-N-A. Uh-huh. I talked to Gina Mullins, who is the program director for the SF Pretrial Diversion Project. You know, yeah, that Walgreens was essential, at least to my family. One, She actually lived and worked near one of the Walgreens that was closing, the one on um, Cesar Chavez and the Mission, which is also um, now closed. It, it closed uh, yesterday at the time of this recording. Living um, at Bernal during that time, like that was my go-to. I went to St. Luke's, so that was my go-to pharmacy. So yeah, I mean, even for, you know, bread and butter, you know, it, it beats the corner store. She would prices. go get her flu shot. She worked, um, I think, hours, um, in public housing out there and knows a lot of the lower income folks that she came across and that, you know, she was in community with also used that store. It stayed open past, you know, eight or nine. So you can kind of make that late night run real quick. You know, I feel a little more safer going to a Walgreens than like my local neighborhood. Corner store because you never know what's going to pop off. Um, And living in public housing, you just kind of see it all. Um, But yeah, her father actually worked for Walgreens for like 40 years, you know, in in all kind of different departments. She said he's done everything from like stocking shelves to working in the pharmacy. You know, people feed their families. People keep themselves afloat with a Walgreens check. So it had a lot of purposes in in communities and, and it served a lot of different functions. But yeah, I'm, I'm sad that they're closing down. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of residents would agree with me that, you know, they rely on that pharmacy. They rely on that um, that store just conveniently located, you know, close to everything. They have everything you need, basically. I feel like it's so easy for this story to just kind of get caught up in these like political narratives and these crime narratives but who's really being hurt here i would say senior citizens you know what i'm saying like you know my dad's in his 70s and there's one safeway that he'll go to you know what i'm saying there's the one post office branch that he will go to they're very pattern based they're like this is what's near me this is what i you know i know the route i know it's not too strenuous and i'm finna do this you know and and this is and this is what i want and i feel like that kind of disruption in the pattern plus just losing a place that has medications that has like you know you never know when you're gonna need an ace bandage you know what i'm saying when you're gonna need to go get some advice from a pharmacist you don't want to talk on the you know you don't want to get on the phone and do all of these different online orderings if you're you know a lot of senior citizens don't want to do that they want to go talk to somebody in person that's convenient in their neighborhood and they deserve that so those are the people that i think of the most and then of course people you know who are on that lower income side of the the socioeconomic spectrum people who it's like, okay, I got to walk here. I don't have a car. I need a place that's like convenient off of my bus route. You know, like I'm, I'm working, you know, maybe the specialty grocery store is closed at six. You know what I'm saying? I'm off at eight. What am I supposed to do? You know what I'm saying? I think just the everyday kind of like working class folks, um, especially people with kids, just those very human things, you know what I'm saying? That are a part of life, you're going to interact with the store to make it happen. And that store for a lot of people really was Walgreens.
mean, I, I do want to acknowledge, too, that there are, like, people who live in San Francisco who do witness some of these these brazen crimes. I feel like all these kind of larger social problems exacerbated by the pandemic, whether that be poverty or homelessness or job loss, do in fact come to a head sometimes inside of some of these corporate retail locations. Is this really about Walgreens at all? It is about Walgreens in as much as that's the store in the news, but it's also about like, Um, economic equity and housing justice and racial justice and the reliance on prosecutors and the criminal justice system to address quality of life crimes. It's about so many different elements that, like you said, come to a head at these retail chains. You know, there's similar conversations happening around like The Gap and some of these other uh, stores in Union Square. Like it's about like people. It's also absolutely about San Francisco politics and San Francisco being under this national microscope. Absolutely, yeah. I would like to make a side note. I do so many stories about gun violence and no one emails me about them, but I write this one story about Walgreens. I get so many responses and that has that's just not mm. something that happens that often. So clearly there's a lot there and it is because it's about like people, especially I feel like in the last like year and some change, they are looking at these quote-unquote liberal cities and they're like see y'all doing all these liberal practices people are gonna know oh I can do crime here and it's totally fine no one's gonna stop me there's not any consequences and then you're talking about you know a lot of conversations about recalling um Chase Boudin it's official San Francisco District Attorney Chase Boudin will face a recall election after opponents submit enough signatures to put it on the ballot on that kind of other side, there's people saying this is blown out of proportion and into a hysteria that will make it easy for people who may be of a more kind of law and order mindset to put really punitive laws on the books to increase surveillance, you know, to have these very militarized areas. So it's about all of those things, you know what I'm saying? Things that you can write a book about, things that are really dug into in in news articles. And it just so happens that Walgreens is the mascot for everything that's going on. It could have been Albertsons, it could have been CVS, it could have been Victoria's Secret, it could have been any place. People were gonna have the same conversation. You know, even when they were, you know, when folks were coming downtown during the protests and, and things were happening and folks were stealing out of like the Bulgari store and the Swarovski store, it was the same conversation. It don't matter the place. But I will say if the Swarovski, you know, store closes, Granny's still going to be able to get her um, her medications. That's the only difference. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Swarovski does not have your children's fruity pebbles. And that's what bummed me out is that now kids, families and parents like are losing a really important resource. And it's all caught up in this forever battle for San Francisco. Albany, thank you so much. Thank you, Erica. I appreciate it. Thanks to Albany Clayton, the lead reporter for The Guardian's Guns and Lies in America project. This episode of The Bay was produced and cut by Alan Montecilio. We got additional production support from Raquel Maria Dillon, who added the tape, and I scored this episode. 
Our podcast leadership team includes Kiana Mogadam, Jessica Blachek, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. The Bay is a production of your local public media station, KQED in San Francisco. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. I'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. 